Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the In Lockdown With podcast with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is Chloe Lloyd, who's a writer and an artist. Hi Chloe, how are you? Hello, I'm alright, how are you? Not too bad, how's lockdown going? Quiet, long and boiling hot. (laughs) Well, at least the rules are relaxed a bit more in England so that you can actually do more stuff now. Yeah. It doesn't serve much purpose, being that I only have one friend in this area, but (laughs) (laughs) at least I can spend more time seeing them. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. Um, I want to start at the beginning, where I always start these podcasts. I want to ask you how you first got interested in the arts and writing and that sort of thing. Well, it's always kind of just been there. Like, I, I can't think of a particular time when it was first interesting to me, but I remember being, like, even in reception class, which is, like, four years old. Yeah. Spending the entire time just drawing and writing stories. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously up to now, I still only ever do those two things. Mm. So I think it's always been the only thing I'm interested in. And my granddad, he was a writer, so it was something we bonded over as well. It's just, it's just always been a part of me. <laughs> D- did the drawing and the visual art come first before you started writing? I think those came... I would say, yeah, because you can draw before you can write, in the weird sense. Yeah. Like, babies, are, before they can make words, they're making pictures. So I'd say, yeah, the visual arts came first, but I would always hear the stories that go with them in my head, with it. (laughs) And and did you kind of treat them as two separate things, or have they always kind of gone together for you, if you know what I mean? I don't always write stories that, that go with my artwork, but I always know the stories behind the pieces, or I always... I have to listen to the right music when I'm painting a piece. So the piece that I most recently did, done of Two Skulls, I was listening to like a lot of death, not death music, but like songs about the Reaper and the Grim Reaper yeah. and all this, that kind of stuff. And hearing that story of the man being torn apart by his love of life and death, and that's what allowed me to paint it. Oh. So I can't just paint without knowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, do you... Um, 
have you kind of always written? Has that been something that you've always done? Yeah, I, I found one of my old diaries and notebooks from year three recently. Wow. And my lord, I was even worse at it back then, but the stories are there. <laughs> I didn't think you could possibly be worse at it back then, but there you go. <laughs> I can adapt this to a radio play right now and it'll be all <laughs> special. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the whole thing was about someone walking to the shops. Right. That was it. <laughs> but, but that could be interesting, you know, if you, that could be interesting depending on how you developed it. But yeah, but you've got to think as a, what, how old are you when you're in year three? Like nine? Eight nine or nine, eight or nine. That was the most interesting thing I could come up with. There wasn't any magic or like no. spirit stories like that. It was just That's us all went to <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you wonder how you actually decided to be a writer in the end. But, but in terms of your process, in your writing process, is there a set process that you have? Or does it vary depending on what your writing well yeah i would say so with the rat trilogy which is the story i've been working on for like five years you know the one with tricks to a rat all that yeah i have to get into her headspace and listen to the music for that those movies before i can write it but with consigned to oblivion or walls or my old uni piece to a home i would just sit down and write them like all at once. <laughs> I can't, I don't, I never was good at like the whole planning process. I've, I don't think I've ever written a good outline and all that kind of stuff. I just write the scripts and then I rewrite the scripts. Because if I did anything else, I just can't see it the way it should be. But when, when you are writing scripts, have you got a clear structure of where you wanted to go, even though you might not have written it down? As, as I'm writing, so say as I'm writing, I'm working on the final yeah, rat movie now, which is called Death of the Rat. As I'm writing that, you like I'm, I start from the first scene and go on, but I like I will suddenly realise a a, a small story moment that I need to put in later on, right. and those will be little notes that surround the script in my little books. <laughs> so it's more I just suddenly realise I write it down and then go carry on writing, and mm. then realise oh, I made that idea up earlier, forgot about it, go back. <laughs> And, and do you kind of handwrite everything first before tacking it up, or are you straight into I didn't used to. Back at back uni, I always typed it up. But it's come very recent that i realised that I just can't focus because I get distracted by everything else online. So mm. I, bought my, I bought myself a leather journal thing, like an old-fashioned journal book, like uh, Bilbo has at the beginning of the room, yeah. and a quill. Ink, and now that's how I write. That's cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I like that. Like, I have candles as well, so I write by candlelight. It's actually oh really, God. like, you, you can only focus on writing if you're doing it that way. It's like you're in, like, 1833 or something, and there's Victorian, so... Right. It's brilliant. I love it. Like, I, I, I'm sat there doing this, but at the same time I've got some modern-day music blasting in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't fit at all. So me, it hurts. Like everyone knows that I'm more about the aesthetic and style than everything else. Yeah, <laughs> which is, is what I want to talk to you about in a bit. But 
Uh, we went to uni together at the University of South Wales. Um, how did you find that course, the BA Scott Tracking course? And, and what did it give you in terms of, of your career as a writer? Or what didn't it give you, perhaps, is a better I question. Said, I have a said you know this is a fun question to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I was always fairly open about my feelings towards uh, certain people on that, not on the course, but directing that course. Yes. But my answer, do they listen to this? <laughs> I don't know, they might. They might. Okay. I don't know. But... Being fully, fully honest then, which I, you know, I believe is what you should be. Um, I don't think that course was the right route for me at all. Right. Like I met, I met people that I absolutely adore now. Like along with like the classmates and friends I made along the way, and people I met during work because I lived in Cardiff. All that stuff. I love all that. But thrown back to memories of being actually yelled at by my lecturer for being like despicable in his mind or being tra a trash writer, I don't think that was helpful in my development at all. So, Because you always want criticism to be constructive, don't you? You always want it to... I think you fools in Chloe. In ways that I'm sure everyone else is very, very grateful. But I clashed with the style they came at with me. Especially with one in particular. Which everyone knows about. <laughs> but I, I never appreciate certain criticism styles, and that was very much evident with that particular person. So. But you, <laughs> you appreciate that work has to be criticised, and that is part of the development process. Being sat down and being told that you will never be anything in your shit isn't something that I feel was ever needed. Especially, I mean, they told me, not them all, but that one told me that the entire class hated me, and which is a, a thing I've been struggling with, with ever since in my like mental health. So it's like, it, that wasn't needed and shouldn't have been done. There's a way of doing it, and there's a position that you hold as a lecturer. You've got a responsibility to your students that is not just academic. There's a way of... Yeah. of giving criticism, which is not personal. It shouldn't have been personal to you. I, I... The class were always really good at giving mm. criticism. I mean, I, I think that's proof of it. Like, when it, when it was like you or Phil or like Jake or something giving criticism on my scripts, that was always very good. Mm. Like, I always saw use in that. But the, the, he, they just did it differently, and I feel like it was always, if it wasn't their style, it wasn't good. And I wasn't someone who was about to change my style for anyone. And, and they were coming from a place where they they didn't write the style that you write in. And they didn't have an understanding of that, really. Um, but I am going to move on and talk about style. Um, I'll say that the camera just froze a bit then, so I may have missed what you said. Yeah. You're back now. I, I want to talk about style next, and your style is, is very kind of, not unique, but specific, and very, um... What I'm known for, as Phil calls it, style over substance. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, it's quite poetic. Um, yeah. How did you develop it? And what do you enjoy about writing in this style? I say that my style, uh, like rules, is very based on thoughts instead of speech. So it's very based on how someone thinks to themselves and as as though those were your full words rather than the way you actually talk, if that makes sense. So... The piece I'm writing right now called Consigned to Oblivion is very much so based on these people's thoughts and dreams to themselves and the dialogue comes through that as though it's words in the wind. I don't know how to... It's very dancey and sensory words that don't always make sense, but you get why. And I just find it more fun to write away from reality as possible because for me, reality's never really been that great. And using every medium possible to stay away from that is just fun <laughs> and that thing of, of tapping into the subconscious because we have this kind of stream of thought that no one kind of vocalizes and tapping into that is really interesting because you yeah. get this kind of disjointed and i'm not using that as a pejorative but a disjointed way that that is brought across, where these thoughts are not linear or continuous, and you as an audience have to kind of pick apart and kind of look at where that story is coming from, and you make the audience yeah. work quite hard when they're, when they're working on your pieces. You've got to yeah, kind of... You can't frustrating people <laughs> you can't just have it on in the background like you've got to engage with it you've got to think about who these people are because you don't really yeah. offer many clues to an audience it's fun like i in, in regard to rules i've had quite a few people like come to me with their opinion on what the voice was Mm. like thinking all the different things of it and being like oh is it this is it this is it this is this and i'm just sat there like this is funny because i have no idea really <laughs> i just write yeah no i just write these pieces and then probably forget that they exist and i i don't have some deeper meaning that is there in these pieces i always just write them and then that's it the story is done but surely you had an idea in terms of characterization of who the voice was and what, oh. and what its intention was and what it wanted. So when I wrote Wolves, it was actually because I was having a bath and I sat there and I went, oh, it'd be funny if the wolf started talking to me. Then I went downstairs and I wrote it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> that is fascinating. That is really fascinating. And, um, me. And, and, and do you think there's a balance to be found in terms of balancing a well-structured story and those really stylistic elements that you employ regularly in your... I think... Uh, well, my, my style comes with its own structure, I think. Right. Where I know, I know the points where certain things need to happen. 
So with Consign, I know the point where the conflict and her inner turmoil of what she's doing to this man, that has to happen. On around like a certain amount of monologues. And I know that's, that, may, that may sound really stuff like can that. You but repeat, I'm like, can no, no. you repeat that because you broke up yeah. a little bit? So, so with with a piece like Consigned to Oblivion, I, I think in terms of it, certain things have to happen after certain things are said and that after an amount of monologues is done, she has to realise this instead of like plot point, plot point, plot point, plot point. Yeah. I'm more like, she's just giving him a letter. She's going to go down and start having turmoil about it. Michael's going to come to the door, tell her to carry on. She's going to carry on. That kind of thing. So is it more kind of reactionary? So the the events, let's call them events of the play, are yeah. re- reactionary and they're based on a character's reaction to what has just happened in that particular moment, rather than being them being so and so does this and then they do this and then yeah. they do this. For sure. I mean, you never know what your characters are going to do. And I, that, again, may sound really weird because Yossi has the writer you're meant to know. But as you're writing, they may say something that you didn't quite expect to write down and then their whole story changes as you're writing it. So I like staying fairly open mm. as to what's going to happen next. Like the Rat Trilogy, the ending changed about 30 times before I finally decided on it just because as I was writing tricks, she was becoming more of a person than I was in a sense. So, <laughs> I allow the as I'm writing it. Does that differ when you're writing film compared to when you're writing theatre? No, I, I think it's all the same for me. Like, the only difference is the way the audience are going to be seeing it. So whether they're going to be saying it to someone or saying it over the camera or whatever. But mm. no, I think it's all the same. Which is weird. I know a lot of people don't think like that. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a different way of approaching it, definitely, but it's really interesting <laughs> to hear. Yeah, I mean, you've read my pieces. I don't think there's much difference between my film pieces and my theatre pieces, other than how they're shown on stage or on Stylistically, screen. I wouldn't think so. Whereas, if you look at other writers' films and plays, stylistically, there can be a huge difference in the way they use language. Especially, which I like about your work, is so di- is so different in other writers' pieces, depending on what medium they're writing for. Oh. Mm. See, I'm not smart enough to change it up. I stick, I stick with what I know, and then I just carry on. <laughs> You're also a very talented artist, visual artist, and do you. Do you think there's a, a correlation between your artwork and your script writing? And how do you try and enmesh these two elements of your creative career if there is a correlation between the two? I would, I would say that with some of my paintings, the style of like dancing or dreams or death kind of comes through as it does with my scripts. And I don't really paint realism either. And I think that's the closest similarities that come with my the paintings and my uh, writing. Like, as I said with the skull piece, you can obviously tell that that's not meant to be realism. 
there's something off about it, which is the same yeah. with my writing. And in terms of, of your artwork, um, when you have ideas, it's really difficult for me at least to talk about how ideas formulate. Like, can you tell, oh, that's an idea for a scripted piece, whereas that's an idea for a painting or a piece of artwork. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, when I, when I get inspiration, I, for a script, I can see the scene in my head and I hear the dialogue. And if that sounds weird, like I can, I'm sat there and then suddenly I'll get some lines of dialogue and I'll be like, fuck, and I'll go and write yeah. it. But with a painting, I see the, the painting. There's nothing really, like I, I have the story in my head for it, but like I see the actual image of it mm. in my head as opposed to seeing a scene that creates that image. So I can tell when it comes to me, I'm like immediately like, okay, paint it. Oh, okay, write it. And that's why I have like random bits of dialogue written as well as like random sketches. Is, is, there, is there a narrative normally attached to that painting? Is there a story behind it normally? There's definitely something there. Like um, my ballerina pieces, they, I can, I can, I paint them and I hear the like the music of like music box ballerina jewelry box type things mm. and I'm thinking of oh, this woman's dancing through the clouds in her dreams obviously in a very poetic manner as I do <laughs> and I've written I've written a piece about a ballerina before and I guess you know those two can go hand in hand but it's a different story it's really hard to explain I'm not very good at explaining my work <laughs> it's difficult isn't it I think it's easy for me to ask you this question, these questions but I often think if I was asked the same questions yeah. as I ask you, how would I describe it? And it can be really tricky. It's almost... Yeah, with, even with walls or to build a home or anything, ev everything I've ever written, I always need to have someone else's help when I have to write a logline or when I have mm. to write a description for my pieces because I can't, I don't see it that way. To me, like if I have to tell you what happened in the sewer of a rat or quest or death of the rat, I'm like, Jesus, how? Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you any of it. She does stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but but do so, you but do you know why you written stuff? Do you have a justification? No. 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 It just kind of comes, it, does it? It it does. It's like a it's like a slap in the face. It just like I'll be doing nothing, and then very suddenly I'll say I'll get a a painting idea and I have to do it in that moment because if I don't I won't be able to stop thinking about it well that yeah that can be quite powerful I guess but I guess it's annoying at times when you just can't you've probably seen me in class suddenly drift off like that yeah that's I've got that's because I can't stop thinking about script I can't stop thinking about the storyline and, I, and I, it tunes me up everything else. I'm just like, hmm, I need to go and write that right now. <laughs> Did you feel like, oh, I've got to leave now. I've got to go home and I've got to write this down. A point. Yeah, and by the time I get home and write it down, I've forgotten. Mm. Do you know what? And I usually get after as well. Do you know what annoys me? I get really good ideas in the bath. And obviously when you're in the bath, <laughs> like you can't... Oh. And you're like, I'll write this down when I get out of the bath. But yeah, by that time, yeah. it's gone. Um, well, that, I've, I've actually made a habit now. I take a notebook in the bath with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I 
So then, now, whenever I'm laying there on the wall, I'm like, oh shit, write down, go back to sleep. And then I've forgotten what I've written, but it's there, if I ever think about it. <laughs> and, um, are there certain themes which, I mean, we've touched on this already, but are there themes which consistently recur? either within your writing or within your artwork that you just keep coming back to, that you feel you have to keep coming back I'd to? I'd say it's more clear with my writing, I'd say, in terms of theme, because I, I touch quite a lot on death, I think. Mm. Like, death is pretty prominent in all of my pieces, as well as discussions about religions that I don't believe in. So I, I discuss the other powers a lot. Um, mm. I don't, there's a you know there's a lot of pain, loneliness, and stuff in my writing. Whereas with my artwork, it kind of changes. Like sometimes my art is very soft and dancey and about like love and happiness, and then other times it's just dark and skulls and death. And then sometimes I just paint animals because why not? <laughs> Do you think there's a juxtaposition between your artwork and your script writing sometimes? That they kind of conflict each other? With yeah, I mean, I, I, I had this conversation with them recently, actually, where um, they, they'd read something I've written, and then they were talking to me about my work, and I went, oh, you know, I've got an art page as well. So they went and looked at it, came back to me and said, that's not what I expected of you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, interesting. So I feel like there's a lot more bright colours mm. in some of my artwork than there is in some of my writing. I was looking at the page earlier, and that's kind of what I noticed. I was like, I wouldn't expect that from Chloe. And I don't know why I thought that. But what was yeah. it? I was looking at some of the, like you said, the kind of bright colours in some of the paintings yeah. on your art page. I was like, so, I wouldn't expect that from Chloe. Yeah. It's, I don't know, sometimes you just need a bit of colour in your life, don't you? Definitely. But with Stuart Rat, obviously, there's a lot of comedy tricks. Is, sorry, I need to turn my speaker off because it's beeping at me. With um, Stuart Rat, there's obviously some comedy. She's a... Jack Sparrow type person that does what she wants. So there is that colour there. But mm. the tone of it underneath is very fueled by her pain. Mm. Whereas with some of my artwork, it's just, I like to use colours, let's use them. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you don't need to justify that. You just. In the same way that you might need to do with a script, for example. No, it's definitely something I love with artwork instead of writing, like, once you've painted a piece, that's it. There's no more, there's no less of it. Mm. And people are either going to love it or they're going to hate it, but they're not really going to ask you any questions. No. Well, that's questions true. come with scripts, and I'm not very good at explaining myself. <laughs> I suppose with artwork, you find your own meaning in it, and, you know, you've got your meaning for a piece that you've created. But everyone else can have their own opinion. And there's no yeah. kind of right right or wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? Well, even like with Wolves, as I said, they had their own opinions about what the voice was. And like I find that fun because mm. I, I 
I had this argument with lecturers before that I don't necessarily intend on putting meaning in things because I like that people can find their own meaning in stuff. Mm. So it's, it, I like that. I like hearing what people's point of views were. The only thing I've ever put meaning in is tricks, but that's that's somehow different. She do, she doesn't mm. even follow in my normal style either. She's something outside of it. <laughs> do you kind of channel your own personal experiences and use those? In your outfit, in your writing. Oh yes, I do. There's a lot of arguments in my writing that I wanted to have with people that I never will. <laughs> my characters are always a lot more confident for confrontation mm. than I am. Is that like a space where you can explore that where you wouldn't be able to in in real life? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you ever read. By Peace Mind's Eye, but it was about a ballerina who was trapped in her own mind. And she was having this like turmoil and she was talking about God and saying all this stuff about it. And I was like, these are things I'd never say in person because I'm worried about offending people. But she can because she's just the character. (laughs) But those are things that you've thought and you've processed and that you've thought deeply about. And that character is a way of, of. Framing those thoughts within a fictional character in a way that you could never do as an individual. Yeah, I'm not very good at articulating my real-world thoughts. But when it comes to a character, it's like it's someone else and somehow it's easier for them to say it than it is for Mm. me to say it. Like, as I said, I'm, I'm not very good at explaining what goes on in my scripts. But my characters are always very good at talking. It's one of the main things... They do, mm. yeah. <laughs> but I'm not. So I I like that. I like that everything. My I mean I'm in every single one of my pieces, but it's weird. They're not all a part of me, but I'm part of them. Is it you? Is it you exactly? Is it Chloe Lloyd, or is it a part of Chloe Lloyd? Right. Different parts of my personality for sure. Like a, like with walls, definitely parts where I was feeling trapped. That's in him. And then with Consigned to Oblivion, parts of that's about feeling lost and yearning for something. So it's a, parts of my feelings more than... Mm. But then you've got Trix, who's like the epitome of someone I would want to be, but I'm never going to be. That, that's really interesting, actually. Um, what, what level of expressive freedom do you think that visual art gives you as opposed to script writing? Hmm. For me, hmm, interesting actually. I would say that it's actually harder with visual art because I can't paint everything I want to paint, whereas I can write everything I want to write. Why do you say that? It's very hard sometimes to put what I want onto a canvas and there's a lot of canvases people never see because they didn't come out right so it's sometimes what i'm seeing on my head is very very difficult onto canvas. but with words you never have that problem you can mm. always write exactly what you mean like meant to write i don't know if you've cracked slightly but i can still hear you your video's crashed a little i'm gonna pause this you recently wrote uh, Walls for Volition Theatre Company. Yeah. 
what was the process of writing that piece and the development of it like? As I said, I, I wrote that piece, the first the first draft of it, I wrote all at once after getting the idea in the bath. So the first draft I was only written in like, I think, maximum a day. I can't really remember, this was a couple of years ago. But then I gave it to Phil. And he came back with a whole list of things that I could change and develop. <laughs> How did you take that? Um, at first I was like, oh, okay. Because I was like, oh, I thought it was good. But then I was like, ah, stop thinking that, Chloe. This is going to make it better. And then I made, I went through and I made the changes that I thought on that list were very good changes. And some of them I was like, oh, no, I don't agree with this. And then me and Phil spoke about it. And those, we, we found a, a, a line, a common mm. agreement in yeah. those parts. But I, and I ticked them off as I went along and I rewrote it. I think that script only went through about three changes. Right. I, I don't think I made that many changes of it. More the more that was done to it, I think, was in the actual final recordings when people were like, "Can we say it this way instead?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, sure, go go ahead." Was it difficult for the actors because of the style of the piece? Um, a lot of them found it. I think they found it for the most part easy, but. I, I find it hard when a particular word is missed that I feel like was definitely needed to be said. Yeah. I was like, ah, 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 go back. Yeah. <laughs> go back and say it again. But for the most part, I think it was like, you have to read it once, say it a couple of times, and then it comes naturally to you. Was like it... Shakespeare. I'm not, I'm not Shakespeare, but mm. like, you know how reading it, you just have to get into the mindset. Yeah. You've got to think about intentions as well like yeah. things like that um and it be it was it always intended to be an audio piece no actually the first draft of the road was a play right and i think phil was the one who said this would make a really good radio piece can we use it and i was like huh actually it would because then you're not seeing the guy in the cell you're not you don't know yeah. that yeah, so he made that change, which I think was the best thing for that piece. Did you have to make any changes because it was going from theatre to audio? Any I think the only main changes I made was like to the actions. Because I, I put in like little bits of dialogue where she says, my rock hitting the floor or something mm. like that. And I was like, well, I have to say that because no one's going to know otherwise. But other than that, I, don't, I can't remember, if I'm honest with you. The first time I really remembered what happened in the story was when it came out. <laughs> and, and what's it like listening to your own work, like having your own work made? It's so weird, I'll be honest. Like, it, finally hearing what I can hear in my head is so weird. Like, I can't even imagine what would happen if Sewer Rat was ever made. Because I, I just, I don't know, it's very hard for me to connect with it. Like, when I was watching To Build a Home, when it was first acted out it's so weird just seeing the actual people in front of you than just words in your head yeah and did it feel do you write a lot from your own experiences from your own mind was it weird that other actors were saying what essentially were your words yeah it's so weird but it's so cool at the same time like you're just like these people are living something that a few days ago just didn't exist yeah. And they experience 
like, oh, it's so good. I love it. I cry every time. <laughs> every time I read acted or like spoken of mine, I always cry, like without a doubt. <laughs> it's an amazing feeling, isn't it? Just to see it. Um, and and do you find kind of working with other creatives? challenging maybe because they don't share the same vision as you all the time or do you enjoy these collaborations what about these collaborations do you enjoy and what do you find challenging Harking mm. back to when we had to work as a team at uni yes exactly <laughs> I, I struggled with that in that. i i could all right i can tell what other people are aiming to do with a piece but it's always very hard to not see it in my style or being not able to use the, my process of doing things like we were doing a lot of planning weren't we when we yeah. had to work together like i can't work like that i can't see things that clearly so i it's very hard on that front i like how, like working with someone has to be done in a particular way for me wherein we have to talk about it first both write a draft and then come to each other with those drafts instead of working every second along the way because right. otherwise my, my head just can't connect with it the same way that it should but then um, isn't there a risk that those two drafts that get produced um though they are similar in terms of content stylistically they will be completely different, and then you can have more work unpicking the differences. If you if you both go and you write your own version and come back to each other, for then, me then I can see which style works better, as right. opposed to me having to do something else the entire time. Then I can see, say, I'm looking at their script and going, actually, your way did work better. Let's continue it that way, because then I've got my idea out of the way. I don't. Ha I can't. I don't have to think about it anymore. It's I gone. Get that. I can now. That, yeah. But optionally, I don't think it's something that I can do. And I'm saying that in like the meanest way possible to myself. I'm not very good at being creative with other people because I'm so stylized. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's going to be important for you in your future career to improve in that respect? I think it's, yeah, definitely. It's important for everyone to be able to work with other people, for sure. And when it comes to scripts, you know, at some point you're going to have to be in a writer's room with, like, 15 other people <laughs> doing the same story. And as much as I hate that, I'm going to have to deal with it at some point. <laughs> but also in terms of directors, if you've got a director directing a play of yours and their vision is completely different to your intention, how do you count... Yeah. How do you countenance that? That, for me, I've actually thought about this recently. Uh, that, for me, really depends on what the piece is. Right. With Wolves, uh, I was pretty open to everything that Bex and Bex, Becca and Phil were doing with it. Mm. All the ideas they had, the audio stuff they were doing. But, say the Rat trilogy ever gets made, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be very not happy with changes being made without mm. me knowing about it. Because... Because that's a story I've worked on for a lot longer and put more thought into. I see, yeah. I, I wouldn't be happy with all the credit going to a director when that's more my work than theirs. So yeah. I feel like it would have, it would definitely have to be 
a situation where we're talking to each other the entire time rather than it being a right to like right you've been paid off you can go now we're going to do it that that's not something i can do i don't think and so often in the film industry especially more so in theater the director gets the credit and they tend to take over with their own artistic vision which doesn't give you as a writer the weight or the setting that maybe you would want. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I don't agree with that. I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but I, I don't like... I don't like that the director... Or a lot of directors obviously direct the pieces they've written or they've worked along the script yeah. and they gave the script writer. But with a piece that the script writer's done and then the director's the only one remembered for it, I don't like that. And no, I, do I. I would, I would definitely need it changed in my contract. I'm not being paid off. <laughs> Basically, so often credits on films and stuff, it goes director. And then the writers, you've got to really look to find... Oh, I, saw, I saw a movie the other day. The writers were after, like... They were, like, I think, 10th in the credits. And I was like, that person wrote the script. <laughs> that script wouldn't exist without that person. <laughs> Why are they so... Well, first name, that's what it should be. In the yeah. order that the film was made, it should be the writers did it first, the director came along there next, producers, actors, whatever. That's what it is then, in plays. Uh, <laughs> that's what you get in theatre. Why can't it be the same in terms of billing? No, they don't work in you know what? I, because everyone wants their name to be the name that's remembered. Yeah. And the first name said is usually, you're not going to pay attention to the credits that long when the movie starts no. or when the movie's ended, are you? So no. the first names are the only ones you're going to care about. So. Absolutely. No, okay. Well, Last question. What advice would you give to someone, either someone who's thinking of starting out as a writer in this industry or someone who's thinking of starting out as an artist or an illustrator or both? Honestly, just, I would say, always be true to who you are because it's something I've seen a lot of people change along the way. They always change to what other people want from them and mm. You need to be. You need to always write or always paint your style and be authentically yourself because that's what's going to draw people in at the end of the day. They're not going to care for you not writing stories that you actually care about. You need to be you. And if you're not writing, <laughs> to stay being you. <laughs> and if you're not writing what you want to write, you aren't going to care about those stories and you aren't going to have that drive to carry on with them. No, if you're doing it for the sake of money, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's why movies Definitely. like Jurassic World exist. Definitely. <laughs> Completely agree. Movie that it is. That's why it exists. Because yeah. it was done for money. And you shouldn't do it. You should write for who you are. You want regardless. And on that note, it's time to finish. <laughs> Thanks, Chloe. Thanks for being a lovely guest. Today has been awesome speaking to you and catching up after um, on the next episode of In Lockdown With I will be chatting to the actor Harry Bryant about his career 
so stay tuned for that. But for now, uh, it's goodbye for me and it's goodbye for Chloe. Um, Bye. Uh, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.